There's no part of health care that can improve on its own these days. In the U.S., this includes over 15,000 skilled nursing facilities, or SNFs as they're known, whose rehabilitative, post-secure, and long-term care role is crucial. But SNFs are also part of a system contributing to too many unnecessary, unnecessary hospitalizations and rehospitalizations. To improve this situation, these facilities, which care for people at crucial, vulnerable stages of recovering from major injuries, illnesses, and surgeries, or for those who are older and quite frail, are entering into new kinds of collaborations with hospitals and the entire continuum of care. The idea is to create a more seamless web of knowledge and capacity to do what's right for patients in the most appropriate settings. So that's our topic on this edition of WIHI. And welcome to WIHI, an online audio talk show from the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. Uh, this May will be uh, basically five years old, so we're really thrilled to be coming to you live and also for later listening and convenience via IHI.org and on iTunes. I'm your host and producer, Madge Kaplan. I'm also IHI's Director of Communications. So what are the ingredients of a system that equip a patient or resident of a SNF and all those caring for this individual to leave a hospital and recover well, preventing having to bounce back into the hospital with avoidable complications? If you like to tweet, either during the show or after the show, please include hashtag IHI in your tweets, and that way we bring others into the conversation who may not be on with us live now but are interested in this topic. IHI's Twitter handle is at the IHI, by the way. So let me now briefly introduce our guests. And as always, I want to remind you that this is just a snippet of what these folks have accomplished in their careers. And I'm sure we'll go on to do. Uh, check out more details on IHI.org and on the uh, their own organization's websites. Out in the state of Washington, I want to welcome Annette Crawford to WIHI. Annette has been a licensed nursing home administrator since 1989. She has managed Stafford Healthcare at Ridgemont, located in Port Orchard, excuse me, Orchard, Washington for 11 years and is also the co-founder of the Kitsap County Cross-Continuum Care Transitions Project, try and say that fast, KC4TP, which began in March 2012. Welcome, Annette. Thank you very much, and good morning from Washington State. All right, good morning. All right, yes, we do have to remember our time zones here. Okay, thanks, Annette. Dr. David Gifford is the Senior Vice President of Quality and Regulatory Affairs at the American Healthcare Association. That's the largest association in the country representing long-term and post-acute care facilities. He helped create the department that assists providers in their quality improvement work. And glad you're with us, David. Welcome. Thank you, and welcome from this highly bipartisan, uh, cooperative state, uh, city of D.C. Okay, surely uh, uh, another topic for a show. <laughs> Thanks, David. So glad you're here. Lori Herndon is a nurse practitioner by training, and she's the director for clinical quality at the Massachusetts Senior Care Foundation, and she works with nursing home owners, frontline providers, and colleagues from all sectors of healthcare to improve quality, innovation, and research in Massachusetts nursing facilities. Facilities. Welcome, Lori. Uh, thanks, Madge. Great to be here. All right. And last but never least is IHI Director Marie Schall. She's on board with today's WIHI and has been a big help. Marie directs innovation and improvement projects, including the just-completed STAR initiative, which she'll be telling you more about. Welcome, Marie. 
Thanks, Madge. Hello, All right. everyone. Okay. And Marie, I guess since everybody's chiming in from some wonderful locale, are you in New York City? <laughs> I am in New York City, yes. (laughs) Okay. All right, great. Well, the first question is really going to go to you to kick things off. Um, I think this will sort of help even uh, explain sort of the journey for IHI, talking about skilled nursing facilities and how we started to kind of zero in on a particular issue having to do with rehospitalizations. So, Marie, I don't think anyone wasn't thinking about skilled nursing facilities before the STAR initiative, um, but clearly that work brought it more to the front of mind. So um, kind of bring us up to speed on on the STAR work, and that, that can help set the table for our discussion today. Thanks. Okay, thanks, Madge. Uh, and, and you're exactly right. Skilled nursing facilities have always been a major part of IHI's work on improving transitions. Let me give you a little bit of uh, background. You mentioned the STAR initiative. Um, we just completed that four-year uh, funded project by the Commonwealth Fund uh, just this past June, and uh, it stands for State Action on Avoidable Rehospitalizations, uh, STAR. The purpose of that uh, project was to reduce rehospitalization rates in three states, Massachusetts, Michigan, and Washington. Uh, and we did that by uh, really a two-pronged kind of effort. One was uh, to support the process improvements at the care setting level. So we pulled um, care, uh, cross-continuum teams um, together from those three states, working in uh, cooperation with state leaders uh, to lead a collaborative of um, uh, to focus on that process process improvement work. And then at the same time, we worked with those state leaders in those states uh, to initiate systematic reforms to overcome uh, barriers to improvement at a, um, at a system level. The results and learning uh, from this work are contained in uh, four how-to guides that are currently on um, IHI.org. They're available for free download. And there's four of them because during the work, we focused on four key care settings. And for each of these settings, um, there's a set of changes that they can do and that we worked on with them in STAR uh, to help improve transitions. So they, the four settings are hospitals, skilled nursing facilities, home health care agencies, and then office practices or clinics. What you're seeing on the screen now is the framework uh, that we developed during the STAR initiative, which really reflects uh, what we consider to be the entire system that's needed uh, to, to optimally improve care transitions. So from the hospital setting on the left-hand side of the screen uh, to the handoff, handover, excuse me, uh, between of, pa- of patients between hospitals and commun- community-based care settings, and in that um, area we consider uh, primary and specialty care practices, home health, and then the subject for today's discussion, which is skilled nursing facilities. Uh, together with the final uh, sort of bump in this framework is um, the access to and, and the handovers to the alternative or supplemental care that's needed for uh, very high-risk patients. So this whole system is supported by, you can see at the bottom, the design elements of the patient and family engagement, the cross-continuum collaboration, which I'll talk more about in just a moment, and then health information exchange uh, to help support all this work. 
the um, the setting that we're talking about today, as I mentioned, is the skilled nursing facility that's highlighted in red. And what you can't really see, but now you can see in uh, greater detail, um, are the key changes that we specifically developed and focused on as we uh, worked with skilled nursing facilities um, and their partners as part of the STAR initiative. Um, so those changes are um, to ensure that the skilled nursing facility is ready and capable to care for the resident. There's lots of issues related to that. Reconciling treatment plans and medications and engaging the resident um, and their family in a partnership to create an overall plan of care. So there's certainly lots of detail behind each of those key changes, but those are the key areas that we work together with um, uh, skilled nursing facility leaders, uh, such as uh, Laurie Herndon, who is a faculty for that uh, project, um, to build into our uh, change package and our overall framework. One of the key learnings from STAR um, is that the challenge of transitions can't be undertaken by any one part of the system, and that's really reflected, I think, in that framework uh, slide. We saw over and over again the power of cross-continuum teams. So these are teams that pull together both leaders and staff from hospitals, skilled nursing facilities, home health agencies, office practices, community-based organizations, basically anyone from your community um, that touches the, the patient that's involved with those trans very important transitions. They identify and solve problems together. And we've found over and over again that skilled nursing facilities are some of the strongest partners in this effort. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Marie. I'm so glad you're here. It does give us uh, some depth and experience in all of this. It's uh, uh, one of the reasons we also have a really great panel today, I think, in terms of all the people that the STAR Initiative has touched and, and also learned from. So I'm going to uh, bring Lori Herndon into the conversation now. Uh, Lori um, has many things that she can contribute to this discussion. She's going to help us better understand a little bit what's been going on with this effort called Interact, or Interact, I, I should get the uh, emphasis right on the right uh, <laughs> syllable, um, been thinking about that these days with Ukraine or Ukraine, anyway, um, that I digress. So you have been um, trying to kind of give people a set of tools, Interact, um, that really can be applied in a lot of different uh, improvement initiatives in this space. So, uh, Lori, over to you. Thanks, Madge. I should start out by saying um, that INTERACT is actually an acronym, and it stands for Interventions to Reduce Acute Care Transfers. It is a quality improvement program designed by Dr. Joe Auslander from Florida Atlantic University, and it's designed for two reasons. First and foremost, it's uh, meant to improve care for skilled nursing facility residents and also to reduce the frequency of potentially avoidable transfers to the hospital by those residents. The program includes four categories of tools built around what we know are some of the factors that drive readmissions and admissions from SNFs to hospitals. The communication tools help frontline staff tune into and recognize early changes in resident condition. It guides nurses through a standardized comprehensive assessment and documentation process about the change in condition. 
And uh, these tools give nurses the language and template for communication about a resident change in condition that can be used to communicate both internally as well as across settings if a resident has to go to the hospital. The decision support tools help nurses to think critically about signs, symptoms, and common diagnosis seen in SNFs like UTI and congestive heart failure. Advanced care planning tools are designed to facilitate discussions about goals of care early and often. And finally, the quality improvement tools help SNFs track and trend acute care transfers and to do root cause analysis when transfers happen. An initial pilot with the first set of tools was launched with a small sample of SNFs as part of a CMS special study in 2008. It was more broadly disseminated in a Commonwealth-funded project in 2009 and is currently being rigorously tested in an NIH project involving more than 200 SNFs across the country. Results from the initial projects revealed a significant reduction in acute care transfers. These results have been published and are available on the Interact website. A couple of key changes and revisions to the program have occurred with each iteration and are worth noting. While initially called a toolkit, the program as it stands right now is an integrated set of tools designed to be delivered as a quality improvement program. The next key change has been the addition of tools designed for use by the hospital when they're transferring patients to SNFs. Uh, these tools were born out of an increasing interest on the part of the hospitals and what SNFs in their communities were doing to reduce unnecessary acute care transfers. And this has actually been one of the most exciting things to happen with Interact recently. Quite honestly, when we started this work in 2008-2009, it was really hard to engage hospitals. Now hospitals are reaching out to SNFs, asking about Interact, and Interact has been used very effectively as a platform to begin discussions about how to work together. The program has been widely disseminated nationally through the projects I described earlier, through the seven projects that the CMS Innovation Center initiative funded to reduce avoidable hospitalizations among nursing facility residents, and most recently through the Interact Institute held last January at Florida Atlantic University where 250 participants representing QIOs, state affiliates of AHCA and Leading Age, national and regional nursing home chains, nurse consultants, and even some hospitals and physician groups, they participated in an intensive train-the-trainer program and have spent the last year disseminating the program in their states and regions across the country in order to receive certification as an Interact educator. Finally, the most important thing I would like to share about Interact is the feedback that we continue to receive from SNFs about two things. First, from facility leaders, Interact has equipped them in a powerful way to be at the table with acute care partners as key members of the cross-continuum team. And more importantly, in my mind, the tools are well-received by the frontline staff who are able to connect the program to improving care. And this is what the program is really designed to do. And as a project team, our goal is to keep the program simple and relevant to the front lines. And so far, it seems like we've been able to do that. Uh, the Interact program is freely, um, free and publicly available on the Interact website. We've got the, a screenshot of the uh, front page right here. It's www.interact2.net. You can go there. You can review all of the publications and results about the project, and you can also review the tools, and you can even start using them tomorrow if you want to. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Matt. We like, thank you so much, uh, Lori, and we do um, like it when there's material resources people could really act upon right away. I hope this isn't a trick question. 
question, but we, before we turn to Annette, who I think whose work is kind of case in point about having a seat at the table with acute care, would you, if you, if I had to ask you, which I will ask you, what do you think maybe has changed in terms of um, what is enabling um, SNFs to take part in this work in a more robust way? Just in the last several years, obviously, Interact is making a huge difference. But is there anything else that you might point to? I would say it's, it's all about the payment and policy reform. Uh, it's, it's the penalties, it's the formation of ACOs, um, bundled payment, and all of the payment and policy changes that have happened that have really caught hospitals' attention um, and really um, helped them to look um, into the community and to community partners to work together. Okay, so that's really important, and I'm sure uh, David can uh, echo uh, some of that. So thank you very much. All right, uh, think about what kinds of questions and comments you want to make in the second half hour of the program today for all our guests. We're going to turn next to Annette. And by the way, am I pronouncing, is it Kitsap, do you say it, or you say Kitsap County? Kitsap. Kitsap, okay. So paint, take us there. Paint us a picture. Um, obviously, uh, maybe not for the tourist visit, but sort of what was going, what has been going on um, with patients moving back and forth between uh, maybe home, hospitals, acute care, and uh, what, what was the view sort of from your nursing uh, home and your uh, sniff um, that also helped kind of propel a real leadership role? Thanks, Annette. Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk about uh, what we've been we've been doing in our county. We're, we're really a small county, so our population is just over 250,000, and we do have a fairly simple um, health system here. We have one centrally located hospital, which is Harrison Medical Center, and a small naval hospital. Uh, we have 10 SNFs in our county, and one of those SNFs is a VA facility. So my concern about rehospitalizations, I think, really began in about 2011. Uh, my SNF opened up a 21 bed transitional care unit and it was a great exciting project for an administrator but at the same time I was starting to hear about all this monitoring of the unnecessary rehospitalizations and that too many readmissions might mean fines for my hospital and eventually even to the SNFs. So having this new unit open um, really increased my awareness that I could be part of the problem so to speak and that I was at a real high risk for rehospitalization rates because of course I had doubled my Medicare um, and and HMO census, and we were really taking care of some really ill patients. Um, I also knew that we really needed to focus on our outcomes because it was our goal to be accepted into the area ACO that was just starting to form at that time. So uh, that's when we started keeping track of what our readmissions were. We were about 17% at that point, and I started attending meetings outside of my county because there was nothing going on really in our county and nobody really talking about um, readmissions yet. But that was an opportunity for me because that's where I met Carol Higgins and some of the staff from Qualys Health who um, from the very beginning have encouraged and mentored um, both myself and our, eventually our cross-continuum work um, to really improve our outcomes when it comes to rehospitalizations. They really coached me and encouraged me um, to keep connecting with the hospital here in Kitsap and that you know if this work was going to begin, it was probably going to be because I um, would pursue it. And I would say it 
probably took me about five months before I got my appointment um, at the hospital. Um, I was connected um, to Lori, Lori Newcomer, who is the Director of Quality um, at Harrison, and we met back in February of 2012. And I was very excited for that meeting, and I was really impressed. Of course, she was already really monitoring the rehospitalizations. Um, and the different monitors um, at the hospital. And that's when I learned that as a community, our um, nine sniffs at that time had a rehospitalization, combined rehospitalization rate of about 19.6%. Mm-hmm. So um, room, room to improve there. Yep. So um, there's really not enough time to go into <laughs> our, the makeup of our cross-continuum work but, um, and our team, but over the past two years, we've really built a strong um, team of hospital sniffs, um, assisted living, home health, emergency management personnel, the ED. We have a very strong cross-continuum team that has been really supported and mentored by the uh, quality um, quality health people and the IHI team. We were part of two uh, streams that went over several months, um, and so we've had really a lot of guidance, especially in the areas of focusing on measuring outcomes and piloting strategies and that sort of thing. So I think one of the most important things that we've done as a SNF group in Kitsap County is to implement as a county the interact programs into our SNFs. And what you're seeing on the screen right now is a monitoring tool that Qualys came up with. This is um, back um, in beginning of 2012, I believe, and before Interact had actually implemented a tool for implementation. And um, each of our SNFs uh, completed this tool um, and continued to complete it every quarter. And it, um, Qualys was very good about giving us monitoring and measuring of how we were doing as a community. Um, we were very lucky because we had one of our corporations that have three facilities um, in Kitsap that had already started implementing some of the Interact tools. We, we used them for a resource that was the extended care facilities and also Qualys. Um, Carol Higgins is a certified Interact instructor and over the course of the last two years we've done a lot of training. The hospital has hosted and the SNF um, staff have been able to come to the hospital and really learn about these tools and really talk about what's been working in some of our SNFs and some of our challenges, and it's been very helpful. Um, the, the initiative um, and the results have been really, really important. Um, there's um, another slide where we go through the process that we went through. We started off with nine SNFs, and um, we would go through each of the tools, and we would go through training, and we would have discussions with each other. In our community, I really think the quality improvement tool has been the most important tool for us, and that is the interact assessment that you go through post-transfer um, back to the hospital that ultimately tells you whether it's been avoidable or an unavoidable hospitalization. And we actually use that tool to go to the hospital on a monthly basis and talk about individual case studies of patients that have had a 30-day return to the hospital. So it's really been a great way to standardize um, um, the communication that we have to the hospital. And um, ultimately, we're talking with hospital staff about which side, is there a failure on either side and how can we improve that? Um, Qualys has been able to provide us ongoing um, information about the process of improving Interact, and one of the things that we learned was that the palette of advanced care planning tools were the least in use, and so that's really our next strategy in our community is to do um, enhanced training with the help of Qualys to implement more of those advanced training tools. What you're seeing here is the, is the results, I, I guess you would say, of us um, attempting to um, 
um, implement Interact over time, and you can see that uh, we are down to 5.9%. This is as a community, this is our community score, um, and we have had significant improvements in our rehospitalization rate since um, working on implementing Interact. Uh, for my facility individually, uh, my 2012 rehospitalization rate was at 14.2%, and in 2013 it went down to 9.7%. Um, I'm also very happy to say that we were accepted into the ACO, uh, the Northwest Franciscan Physicians Health Network, and the ACO actually puts great importance on the use of Interact tools within their SNF network, and Interact implementation is actually a part of some of the credentialing criteria, so we are required under the ACO agreement to continue to implement and use the tools of Interact. Um, so honestly, we still have a lot of work to do in our county to continue to implement Interact, but so far the results are proving that it's well worth our while in improving patient care. All right. Thank you. And I, I, we, as always on WIHI, but we think it's of good value. Uh, we roar through a lot of time and space and hard work pretty quickly here, sometimes uh, depicted in these slides, which represent day-to-day and day-in and day-out kinds of communication and new types of coalition. And uh, I was just thinking as I was listening to you, uh, Annette, that uh, your story is probably one uh, folks would love to hear about at some point in more detail. And uh, maybe at some point I can create a WIHI that sort of got all the folks at the table uh, in any one community who are learning kind of how to um, cooperate and collaborate. Um, The slide, of course, showing uh, improvements across a whole community of SNFs and participants is really, really important. Impressive, And this uh, slide here shows some things about the impact of particular tools. So thanks for um, sharing that information. It at least gives us a sense of uh, what's been going on and a good example. All right, we're going to now turn to uh, David uh, Gifford. Um, definitely uh, your association has its finger on the pulse of what's going on. Um, I'm curious, given that you've been listening to Marie and Annette and Lori, whether this is the kind Kind of work that's going on um, with all your members, and uh, where where are you seeing some uh, traction? Thanks, David. So, thank you. Uh, yeah, the American Healthcare Association set as one of our priority goals a 15% reduction in rehospitalizations from the SNF setting, um, and we have been heavily promoting the Interact program. And we've been uh, those members who have been using the Interact program have seen similar results that you've heard from the previous. Uh, um, uh, speakers. I think the one thing to emphasize on that is the uh, the it's all about implementation. That we have a number of members who are trying to use it, interact, but aren't able to, who for whatever reason don't implement it or take pieces of it and try to implement it. They don't see the same success as those who are actually able to implement the program overall. And I think that's a key aspect of it. Um, another thing that we focused uh, a great deal with the members, and we represent on a little over 9,000 of the 15,000 nursing homes, is we developed a risk-adjusted rehospitalization measure. I mean, there is no good risk-adjusted rehospitalization measure uh, out there that's available. So we use the minimum data set data that's in the nursing home. Uh, we uh, partnered with a vendor out there, developed a, a very robust risk-adjustment uh, calculation of the overall all-cause readmission rate within 30 days of admission to a SNF going back to any hospital. 
Uh, we've submitted that to NQF for endorsement. We uh, provide every one of our members uh, every quarter an update on their rehospitalization rate. We've been doing that for the last year and a half. We've been doing a lot of targeted mailings to members who have high risk-adjusted rehospitalization rates that are out there, uh, and they have found that very helpful. Um, one of the frustrating things many of our members have found is that uh, managed cares or ACOs or hospitals are coming to them with just data about um, the patients they have. Well, that's all the access they have. It's not risk-adjusted or it's very small sample size, and being able to use this, they've found it very helpful in that partnership as they go forward. We've seen a number of members achieve dramatic improvements of over 25% reductions in rehospitalization, as I said, to implement the Interact. We've also seen some that have increased. We've seen some states where there's been partnerships uh, going on that have shown dramatic improvements in reductions in rehospitalization statewide, while others have seen not much of a change at all. And a lot of it has been linked to the focus, and I think as um, Marie was saying early on, it really requires a collaboration. It requires a collaborative effort of everyone coming together to work to do this. And in those states where we see the hospital association, nursing home association, the physician groups, the hospitals, the nursing homes, working together in partnership, making this a focus, making an effort, we're seeing a much greater change. I think the other thing that we're hearing is the real need to work closely with the hospitals. Um, and we're hearing some very innovative uh, uh, partnerships that are out there. We're hearing and seeing um, hospitals opening up their near-miss reporting to uh, SNFs to report missing data on the transfer. That's critical to uh, effective transfers going on. We've seen hospitals open up their um, information systems, their x-ray, their uh, lab reporting systems so that the SNFs can access the data of the patients that are transferred over. We've seen some hospitals send nurses with the patients to learn and see what the experience is like on the transfer and many of them come back saying oh if I understood that was the way it was I would have provided the information very differently I think the most common complaint we hear is transfer information that has medications that don't match the medications that were in the other transfer areas uh, missing information information that isn't there and I think coordinating that is a real uh, a key aspect because many of the real admissions we see also are occurring within the first um, uh, five to seven days of the transfer, many of them related to that uh, availability of information that's out there. Uh, and then we've seen hospitals and the SNFs get together and form sort of a joint QA committee to do root cause analysis on why the readmissions are occurring and going back and forth, and that's been a very successful uh, model. And at the national level, uh, as I said, with the data and the measurement, uh, since no one's really out there, we've been working uh, very closely with the state affiliate in some state, affiliate, some states with the state affiliate and working with the ACOs. So Massachusetts and Lori Herndon is on the call today as a prime example. We've been partnering with the uh, Pioneer ACOs in Massachusetts to provide them with the risk-adjusted rehospitalization rate every quarter on the SNFs that they are partnering with and using that. And we've been in discussions with that in a couple other states about uh, trying to do that as well and making sure it's structured in a nice partnership. And so I think those are some of the efforts that we're seeing and using out there. It clearly reinforces that it's about implementation, not just tools, and it's about um, uh, people working collaboratively together. And when you do that, uh, really the sky's the limit. And it's really wonderful to see that because um, as a clinician, I now know that there's fewer people going back to the hospital than before, and that's been a good thing. 
All right. Well, we also thank you so much, David. That's, uh, again, quite a, a lot packed in there. And we did uh, zip through uh, some of the state by state and um, things that uh, David and his organization um, are gathering data where you can find out more. I think David emphasized to me, even as we were planning this, how much um, the American Healthcare Association can be a real resource and clearinghouse for all kinds of information and a touch point to a lot of different tools, campaigns, information, etc., and support. So that's really, really terrific. Um, I want to also just remind everybody, because by the way, you're teeing up some great questions in chat. Uh, John is going to just remind everybody, um, if you're not quite clear, how to make sure to participate in the chat. Uh, a reminder that you can download the chat when you get off the program. You can download all the slides. So don't despair. If you're not quite seeing what you want or being able to get to a website quickly, it will all be available either when you get off the program today, you can email info at IHI.org or all be posted to IHI.org uh, by tomorrow. So thank you very much. All right, John, why don't you remind everybody um, how to chat who hasn't already figured it out and uh, we'll get going with this discussion. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us today and sticking around. Um, if you want to uh, ask a question to our panelists online or uh, someone in the studio, you can send to all participants. That's down at at the bottom of the chat. Make sure that it's addressed to all participants so everyone can see your questions and comments. All right. Thanks so much, John. Well, some of you are really uh, quite uh, incredible scribes, and there's some long questions here that I'm going to have to just spend another moment or two asking about. Um, somebody said, here, here's one that's popping out, is there an ideal sniff <laughs> I'm not sure if somebody meant sniffest program but maybe that is what somebody meant an ideal program so um, maybe something uh, we, we've obviously tried to choose some exemplars here for our program today uh, but um, I don't know Lori maybe I'll put put that one to you if you had to sort of characterize what's an ideal uh, program um, that you might be watching. Um, I, I, I do think you're right, um, Madge. I think the question was about sniffists, and oh, this good. is a um, <laughs> oh, new <thank> you. <laughs> term for me, and I'm so very happy that Dr. Gifford is on because I actually think he might be the better okay. person to talk about sniffists. Maybe maybe not, but I do not have a lot of knowledge about what an ideal sniffist would look like. Well, thank you. Leave it to me to go to the hardest one. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought it was a typo. So, uh, David, sniffist, help us out here. Well, if you're talking about a sniff, it's like the concept of a hospitalist. Um, ah, I see. The, there's there's data that suggests that having a nurse practitioner or physicians present in the nursing home that are doing high volume of post-acute care, um, uh, you can actually significantly reduce rehospitalizations and improve uh, quality that's out there. And we're seeing that a number of the ACOs and hospitals are offering up to either send nurse practitioners or their hospitalists into the SNF. The one cautionary note I would say to that is um, not all uh, physicians uh, would be appropriate for SNFs. There's some very unique uh, rules and regulations promulgated by CMS on um, uh, what has to be done and can and can't be uh, done in a nursing home that would be routinely allowed and done in a hospital that would result in fines and severe penalties if done in the in the in the nursing home. Uh, one example would be the use of restraints. You just cannot use restraints in the nursing home where they're often used in the hospital. 
Um, and if they, if you had orders and things being done that way, so you want to make sure that you see and use uh, physicians who are familiar with the setting or are willing to learn uh, that process. But I think any effort to improve, increase the prevalence and use of nurse practitioners, uh, PAs, or physicians in the SNF setting would be a benefit in the in the long run that's out there. Okay, thank you very much, and I apologize to everyone for not quite getting that at first, but I am enlightened now. What about patient advocates in any way in any of this process? Uh, Lori or Annette, and uh, maybe even Marie, you have some knowledge of that. Somebody is asking, is there a role there, uh, somebody who's at the uh, kind of sniff uh, locale um, who can also help in this kind of uh, care coordination? Whoever would like to jump in with that. Well, imagine this is Marie. And I, I won't speak to the uh, to the advocates at the nursing home per se, but one of the um, uh, interventions or improvements that uh, the cross continuum teams are are making that are working on transitions is you know this concept of an advocate or a navigator or some kind of you know coordinator uh, or even a, a coach uh, as part of the uh, the Coleman. Uh, Care transitions uh, coaching program, so it's 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 a way to uh, help um, patients and their families, you know, bridge the transitions. Um, and so the advocate or the coach um, or the um, care uh, navigator can um, uh, can help uh, to. Uh, make sure that information's transferred to make sure that everybody's you know clear if there are any questions uh, making the connections so that's that's sort of in general that role of of advocate and, and navigator across settings okay thank you Lori or Annette yeah, it's Lori. I would just build a little bit on that, and I think that uh, we are seeing those uh, navigators coming out to skilled nursing as part of some of the CMS innovations projects that have that have been going on. I know with the uh, the initiative looking at skilled nursing facilities, there's that initiative involves hospitals and skilled nursing and, and home health coming together, and most all of them include navigators. So it's it's definitely something we're seeing more of as part of the these innovations grants and some probably some local grants as well that I think we can only continue to build on. It's it's pretty exciting. I think we're in. I think we're also seeing skilled nursing facilities looking at picking up on some of the work that Coleman has done um, in terms of discharging to home and thinking about um, picking up some of those uh, strategies as we discharge residents to home as well. Okay, thank you, yep. Annette. I'll add in my facility. Yes, yep. at, at Stafford, I have a chair, uh, care transitions coordinator. So uh, she's a speech path by trade, um, but she's my clinical person that will go into the hospital upon referral and meet with the family, and then um, obviously meets with the family once they get here at the, uh, at the nursing center. But she's um, not like your traditional case manager, but really looking toward the best um, environment for that patient when they leave here and following up. So when a patient leaves our facility to return home, we're always making sure that we make the seven-day um, appointment with the primary care physician, and it's my patient care transitions coordinator that actually communicates information to the primary care physician that the patient's um, in the SNF, and then when the patient leaves our facility that they're going back into the community, an appointment's been made, she sends our um, discharge information to the primary 
physicians so that they're aware of what the treatment plan has been in the nursing home. And then she's also doing individual follow-up calls um, with the patient once they return home to make sure that, that, that they really got to the appointment and to find out, you know, if there are any issues that they're having. A lot of times it's relating to medication confusion, and so she'll work with the primary care physician if needed to get the patient back in the um, doctor's office or maybe home health is needed and when she'll make a home health referral. So it's really um, proven to help um, our patients, but I think it's also a really great customer service approach as well. Annette, I'm going to keep you for just a second. Um, there is a question here, and I thought you'd be great at at least starting with an answer on this. How has all this work um, integrated well with your staff and perhaps the staff at other SNFs in the Kitsap community without it being overwhelming? That is a question that's on the chat. Well, it can be very overwhelming, and I think it's important, and we learned – um, I would say within the first year that, you know, the administrators and the director of nursing and the lead nursing supervisors can go to as many meetings as you want them to go to and can talk about Interact um, as often as you like. But if you're not coming back to your facility and you're not educating and you're not making it part of your daily operation, it's just not going to be something that sticks and it's not going to be embedded. And so we're, you have to give up some things sometimes. It, and, and we talk to our nurses about that, that we believe these tools are very important and they need to be at the core of how we think and how we work versus just an extra form you're going to fill out. So um, the QA document, for example, um, I'm a real proponent of it because the nurse that's actually there when that patient ends up being transferred back to the hospital really needs to be the person that's assessing why that happened because she's going to know the situation that occurred. Maybe there was a failure. Maybe she couldn't get to a doctor. Whatever the problem was, she's really the person that knows, not my director of nursing. And so we have them participate and uh, in that assessment to determine that. And then we give them feedback that, you know, okay, well, last month, this is how many times it happened. And this is what you guys told us last month that you needed. So this month, we're bringing in a respiratory therapist to talk to you about these CPAPs and these BiPAPs. And, and it just, it helps you to gear towards your next improvement that's needed in your facility. And the more you integrate it, if we have an issue when we do report in the morning and there's a decline in patient function or we need a PT eval or something like that comes up, our nurse managers, did we do an SBAR? I need to see the SBAR in that patient. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you really just have to work towards implementing it in the day-to-day life of the nurse. Terrific. Thank you very much. David, I'm going to throw a few questions at you um, just kind of from your your perch there of looking out. Somebody is asking a little bit about growth in sniff volumes over the next few years. Any crystal ball thoughts about that? Are sniffs incurring any additional costs as a result of uh, the work they're trying to do in this space? And a third chunky question is what's going on with trends in states that are having um, are seeing higher rates of readmits from SNFs to hospitals. How about that for three hour long programs? <laughs> so, well, how, how about thirty really seconds on each? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's very hard to predict because you've got multiple things going on. I think you're seeing uh, shifts to sort of a site neutral type of payment that's going to. These shifts between LTACs, ERFs, and SNFs, and home health, you see bundle payments happening, you see the ACOs happening, and you see growth in managed care out there, all superimposed in the context of a rapidly growing elderly population. And so each one of those is moving the uh, 
volume shifts in different directions. Um, you also seeing a um, uh, a concentrating of uh, admit post acute uh, sniff rehab services in higher volume, and so you see some sniffs that their volume is going down. So while the total number of admissions to sniffs under Part A has not changed essentially by a patient in the last four or five years, you're seeing a lot of shifts internally, and you're seeing other things that are happening, and the future is going to be really, I think, uh, uncertain in different directions that are out there. Um, the uh, On the... Uh, other, the last question, um, certain states, uh, which yeah. was had to do with certain, certain sta- states. Yeah. Well, you know, it, some of it is um, some of the hospitals themselves have, in a number of our states, have just indicated that they don't um, want to focus on lowering rehospitalizations because they're willing to take the payment penalty because the loss in revenue is such that they can't afford to really focus on it and there's just not an interest in it. So you see that in some areas, particularly in some of the rural areas that are out there. Um, you see in some states the uh, um, uh, the the I would say the economy and the overall structure of the state and the workforce is such that it's been uh, more challenging to address it, or they've been having to address other issues. It's just not as a high mm-hmm. uh, priority. Um, and in some regions, uh, you know, they have had more trouble. Uh, this is not a clinical management issue as much as it's about an organizational structure. And if you look at Interact, it's not about necessarily direct management of one particular uh, disease or following an algorithm. It's about um, organizational structure, empowering teams and staff and communication and collaboration. And there's just different parts of the country that do a better job at that than others. And so it's a really, it's Mm -hmm. not, you can't put your finger on just one aspect of it. Um, Those that have had infrastructure and have had leadership focusing on it and bringing people to the table do better. Those that have not had leadership and not focusing on it, probably the one's not. And I'd go back to Marie Shaw's original thing. It's about the collaborative effort. Uh, it's about where those states where the QIOs have led the effort, uh, there's some sort of coalition or collaborative effort going on, like an IHI effort. You will see the improvement for those that are not, and the, everyone's on their own. You can't do it on your own, and they're the ones that are failing. Thank you very much, uh, David. Uh, Marie, um, maybe I'll ask you if you feel like um, in any way uh, building on David's remark, and I thought I might also ask you a question, uh, Lori perhaps could weigh in on this too. The kind of overlap in integration with a lot of this work and different kinds of programs and initiatives that are trying to improve advanced care planning, um, end-of-life issues, um, sort of what, what you saw from perhaps Perhaps the STAR initiative. Um, maybe we'll start there. Go ahead. Oh, that's, that's a fantastic question, Madge. Um, and certainly the end-of-life care issues and uh, palliative care um, emerged as, a, um, as an issue or an area of increased importance and of interest amongst our STAR participants. I should tell you, though, it's not, it's not an area that people go to first um, to try to work on uh, transitions, but it is an area that uh, when they actually look at the experience of their patients and families, they realize as they get deeper into the the, the issue of trying to reduce improve transitions and reduce readmissions that it's really a it's really a key central issue um, 
And, um, you know, so perhaps, uh, Laura, you might want to talk more about it. Uh, several states have, you know, very strong programs, uh, you know, the POLST program, the mm-hmm. MOLST program in Massachusetts, and we're, we uh, are seeing that emerge uh, more and more as a very strong uh, sort of area for uh, cross-continuum teams to work on together. Thanks. Lori? Yeah, it's Lori. I would absolutely agree. I think we know from looking at the QI reviews, one of the questions on the root cause analysis tool in, in, in the Interact program is whether or not advanced directives or advanced care planning was addressed at the time of transfer. And we know just from working in the field, from talking to our members and from our work with STAR, that many residents are trans, you know, transitioning back and forth and forth and back because of uh, lack of advanced care planning. So I think it's a critical factor, and I think it's a, it's an issue that we all collectively struggle with across the system. I think we all sort of wring our hands about not being better at talking about advanced care planning. So uh, to the extent that we can complement work, uh, uh, you know, across programs, we do seek to do that. The, the tools in Interact are decision support tools. They are different th- from POLST or MOLST. POLST and MOLST are medical orders. Uh, uh, the physician signs and that they uh, do trans, translate across settings. The advanced care planning tools with Interact are designed to help staff with the language about end-of-life care, about what comfort care is, about what a transfer to the hospital is, about uh, what CPR is, and really encourages them how to have a conversation about who's appropriate for hospice and what you will do um, so it doesn't feel as if you're just cutting off care. So I, I think that we need to continue to be aware of the issue as we're talking about Interact in the context of a state that has Molster Pulse and really intentionally connecting those dots and, and pointing out as leaders how they do complement each other. Thank you. I'm going to um, also ask you, Lori, and maybe Annette might want to weigh in. Linda on the chat says, it appears that a sniff is becoming the equivalent of a hospital med surge patient unit. So maybe folks might react to that notion. Are the responsibilities of a sniff nurse being evaluated with this increased acuity of care? Who would like to jump in on that one? Lori? Um, I, I think we've known this for a long time. I think this has been true at least since I've practiced. I started practicing in 1995 in SNFs, and uh, since then we've seen increasing um, subacute units and increased specialty. Um, whether and I'm not sure exactly how the question was phrased. Are skilled nursing facilities, are there nurses being um, assessed? What I can say is yes, that that's more is, or less. There, there, basically, with the if if you agree with the notion that um, maybe a sniff is having some of the responsibilities that a med surge unit might have and needs some of that skill level, does the staff reflect that? Skill level needed. I would say I would say yes, and I, I think our our home our home health colleagues would say that they uh, the, the homes are now looking like nursing facilities of the past. Um, so I think it's across the system. Yes, more nurses in long term care are now RNs. Historically, we had the vast majority of our nurses were LPNs. For facilities where there's higher rates of acuity, we have seen executive directors and administrators take the initiative and recruit and retain more RNs. We've also seen um, more geriatric certification. The American Healthcare Association partnered with the Hartford um, um, Hartford organization where they promote and encourage geriatric certifications through a program called Gero Nurse Prep. 
So, I, yes, I would say in, is, across the industry, I think we're well aware that there's an increased acuity. There's a need to uh, train our staff. And, yes, there are uh, efforts underway to do that. Okay. Annette, any thoughts about that? About that? Yes, I think an advantage for our facility has been um, in being accepted into the ACO because as part of that partnership, um, my director of nursing is allowed to have a seat at all of the trainings that are offered to the hospital nurses. So, um, and that's, there's 13 facilities in the continuing care network um, for our ACO. So um, each one of those uh, SNFs get to send their nurse to that, to those trainings. And we also have web-based um, knowledge notes and, and different um, trainings that the the hospital nurses are exposed to, and now our, our nurses and the SNFs are receiving that same education and training. And um, we also have implemented a SNFs program here at Stafford um, just since January, so we're still very new at it. But I also think that that's very important for a nurse's learning and knowledge to be side-by-side by, side by uh, with a nurse practitioner and or the physician on a daily basis and doing some of those assessments and conversations, you know, right there with the provider. I think that's been very helpful and really does help promote the professionalism of the long-term care nurse. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Annette. Um, brief announcement, John? Okay. We'll just uh, yeah. take a brief pause here. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Madge. Um, we talked a lot about uh, patient transitions today, and uh, when a transition from the hospital to home is less than optimal, uh, the repercussions can be far-reaching, hospital readmission, an adverse medical event, and even mortality. We've learned that comprehensive and reliable discharge plans, along with post-discharge support, can reduce readmissions rates, improve outcomes, and ensure quality transitions. To help organizations achieve those goals, the IHI is proud to offer reducing avoidable readmissions by improving transitions in care this April in San Diego. If you're interested in learning more, the team behind this course is holding an informational call today at 3, right after WIHI. You can connect using the information up on your screen right now, and I'll also post it in the chat. We hope you can join us. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I see, thanks John, and um, I see that the chat has been very busy. Paul Clements is doing quite a bit of networking uh, related to an expo that's coming up, and maybe um, IHI can be helpful uh, to you, Paul, in that way. You've got a lot of email addresses, I guess, to deal with now on the chat. But uh, glad you're all connecting with one another. All right, here's what I'd like to do. I think um, maybe starting with Marie, uh, we'll go Marie, David, uh, Annette, and Lori. I'd love you each to make just some final remarks about, I don't know, what should we look for next in this space? It's a dynamic one. Uh, these are initiatives that are well underway. Um, and any thoughts that you might have of kind of watch this space? Marie? Well, Madge, um, what I'd like to uh, just share a couple thoughts with folks about so how to get started with this work, and, and maybe that's part of sort of what's what's next. Perfect. Uh, because if people are wondering about, well, geez, how do I even begin this? Uh, particularly the issue of partnering across the continuum, a skilled nursing facility partnering with a hospital, and vice versa, for example. So my advice would be to start small. Uh, I think Annette's story is a good example. She was one uh, SNF leader who reached out to one hospital and now they're working countywide with uh, you know with 10 10 skilled nursing facilities 
And so don't be afraid to um, to reach out and to uh, say, you know, who can I go to in my local hospital and just get started. And a perfect way to get started is by focusing on a patient. Um, we found in STAR that the most powerful sort of tool for a cross-continuum team is to begin every meeting uh, with reviewing a patient's story. And uh, we talk at IHI about the power of one, and you can certainly learn a lot about what needs to be improved uh, by doing by going through that process. So just a little advice there in terms of getting started. Okay. Thanks, Marie. Uh, David? Are you there? All right. Well, I think Marie yeah. started with the, the simple and the, and the basic, which I would echo. I'll, I'll go to the other end, which is the long-term vision. I think what you're going to see down the road is, and you heard a little bit, is looking at the uh, transitions of care from the post-acute provider, uh, like a sniff into the back end of the community, you're going to see rehospitalization rates that uh, look at beyond the 30 days window. Um, and I think um, for those that are starting to partner and think about the bundle payment and ACO type models down the road, beginning to try to figure out what are the total and long-term care costs because we know that sometimes keeping someone in the hospital for maybe an extra day or two um, might increase costs in that bucket. Uh, but actually might have a better outcome in the long run or vice versa. Uh, using a SNF might be more expensive than a home health, but the rehospitalization rate may be lower in using a SNF than a home health uh, or an IRF or an LTAC or the different providers or assisted living out there. So I think you're going to see that playing out uh, down the road. But for the initial uh, next steps, I would uh, only echo what Marie said. Okay. Marie has never stared me wrong in my entire career, so <laughs> I doubt you do it now. <laughs> All right. Thanks, David. This is good. And, okay. Uh, Annette? I would agree. I chime in um, to what Maria is saying and, and just say to people, don't give up. And uh, don't forget the nurses and your frontline staff that are really going to be the individuals that are going to implement these initiatives and improve the quality of care for the patient. And there's so many resources out there. So there's no reason to recreate the wheel at all. Um, you have your IHI how-to guides. You have white papers. Um, you know, you can Google rehospitalizations. You have Qualis Health or whatever your Medicare QIO is in your state. There's lots of different resources out there. And um, don't forget the most important piece is the one-to-one. I think the most important thing we've done in this community in Kitsap is the warm handover because it's a one-to-one conversation from nurse to nurse or provider to provider. And we have have those conversations. We know our hospital people. I know when they go on vacation. I know that when I have a rehospitalization, we're going to be calling them up on the phone to talk about what happened. And I think the value of that is really important. Wow, Annette, sounds so impressive. Thank you uh, so much. Lori, some uh, final remarks from you. Yeah, thank you. Just it's at exactly three o'clock at the top of the hour. What I would say is that uh, kudos to all the things that hit, hit, and ditto for all the things that were just said. And I would just say with Interact, uh, we are developing Interact for Home Health and Assisted Living, and they should be available on the website within the next couple of months. All right, thank you so much. So I want to thank um, everyone, my guests, Marie, David, Lori, Annette, uh, for all the help in preparing the program. They're all doing their regular jobs, improvement jobs, and then working with me here on WIHI so we could bring all of you together. You've been a very, very active, enthusiastic, curious audience. I want to thank you for all 
your comments and the networking, and uh, you've, you're clearly uh, raring to go to kind of continue to dig in and further uh, the agenda here. So thank you, audience. Thank you, guests. I also want to make a very quick question um, of the fact that next Tuesday, March 4th, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General is releasing a report on the incidence of adverse events and temporary harm among Medicare recipients in skilled nursing facilities. IHI's global trigger tool has been of interest to the OIG and is the basis of the methodology that's being used for this new analysis, and it was used for two prior ones that focused on adverse events among hospitalized Medicare recipients. So be on the lookout for news about this. We're going to post a link to the report on the IHI website. And um, also, IHI is going to be working on developing some guidance on how to use the trigger tool to understand and reduce harm in SNFs, and there will be more information about that coming out soon. Feel free to join in further discussion on IHI's Facebook page. Some comments will go up there. Add some of your own. Next week on WIHI, um, a special program in collaboration with JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association. We're going to be looking at newly issued guidelines um, for managing high blood pressure. A lot of uh, thoughts about that. Those guidelines came out in December, um, and we're going to walk ourselves through that and look at how we have good and, and valuable conversations with patients when sometimes guidelines uh, change or are being debated. So I hope you'll join that. You can enroll right now. Don't forget, you can download the chat, download the slides, uh, fill out the survey. Please do. If you missed anything and aren't clear, email info at IHI.org. And watch for that resource page, audio. Everything goes up by tomorrow. We'll also include um, the information that Paul had promised he would email a cast of thousands of you. Um, we'll see if we can't put it all in one place on the resource document and make that more convenient for you. So thank you all. It's my privilege. Whoops, I got to say a thank you also to the people who helped make WIHI possible. Mike Sweeney, Jameson Case, Jesse McCall, Alan Olison, Vicki Minden, John Gothier, Jane Rosner, Val Weber, Matt Morse, Tala Agusain. It's my privilege to host a program that's about spirited learning and improving health and patient care most of all. For the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, I'm Madge Kaplan. Thanks for joining. Good day. Good day.